What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. Right after the Labor Day weekend, Sean and I are back at work. Sean, how are you feeling, brother? Yeah, can't complain. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell trade chip finally landed, so excited to jump in and talk about that. Uh, feels like the the kind of checks of the NBA offseason are finally being crossed off, and the things that we're waiting on are finally hitting their conclusions, whatever it may be. So uh, NFL season right here, NBA season right behind us. So things are turning up in the sports world. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, The dog days of summer are over. Following Labor Day weekend, it's time to go. You got football this Thursday. Uh, you know, obviously the big day on Sunday. We had a lot of college football this weekend, a lot of good games. Um, so, you know, it's back in action. It feels nice to be back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. It was a long, it was a very long summer. Um, but, you know, obviously, before we even get going to talk about that, check out the PickSwap Media page. Uh, check out the YouTube and everything. We got everything covered coming up into this new season. We got through this long off season and we're full throttle forward. So check out everything that's going on at the PickSwap Media Group. And we're going to get into it today. So, you know, you mentioned it in your little, in, in the intro, Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Cavs. Uh surprising to a lot of people, surprising to myself and you as well. So just give me kind of the rundown, what you thought, uh, what, what you thought about the trade as a whole, and where that puts the Cavs going forward. Yeah, super surprising to me. I feel like it was kind of a, a foregone conclusion that he would end up uh, with the Knicks just because there had been so much buzz, so much back and forth. Mitchell seemed to want to go to the Knicks. The Knicks seemed to want him. And at the end of the day, it feels like they kind of undersold it and didn't realize that they were competing against some legitimate offers like the Cavs had. I think the Cavs snuck in there and, weren't really perceived as a legitimate threat for them, but they absolutely should have been based on the assets they had and the, the state the team is in. So kind of out of nowhere, the the trade dropped, and exactly what it was was the Cavs getting Donovan Mitchell uh, for Laurie Markkinen, Ochai Ogbaji, Colin Sexton on a sign-and-trade, three unprotected firsts, which is 2025, 27, and 29, and two first-round pick swaps in 26 and 28. So definitely a decent haul. Danny Ainge gets his draft picks. Uh, we're seeing the Cavs just kind of catapult from the the fun young team that we saw last year, a team that exceeded expectations in a major way last year and really looked to be building something special. Took that kind of just fast forward button, added Donovan Mitchell, and now I do think they are real deal contenders in the East. So I'm a little nervous about how things stack up. The East is going to be very, very tough this year. So what were your thoughts, James? Yeah, um, at first it almost seemed like, I think there's two ways to look at it really. Um, the Cavs paid a lot. They paid the price for, uh, you know, a guy of Mitchell's caliber. Um, I don't know if we're fully putting him in the superstar category right now, um, but that definitely, you know, I think the trade was, uh, I don't want to say equal, but it was, it, I think it was a solid trade. Like a lot of people were saying they fleeced them. When I look at it on the Cavs side, uh, Agbaji, good, you know, solid young prospect. He was going into his rookie year, but he plays shooting guard, right? So, uh, you know, those minutes are eaten up. I love, I like Laurie Markkinen a lot. Um, I think he's a, a really solid player, but again, like Markkinen is not starting for them. You have Mobley and Allen, an all-star and, a, and, you know, one of the best young players in the game. So like giving up a big and Markkinen's position, it is kind of is what it is. And, you know, Colin Sexton plays the same position as their best player uh, in Darius Garland. So he wasn't on, he wasn't going to be doing much for this team going forward. It, it was kind of a breakup. Uh, it was already set up going into that trade as it was. So, I don't know. I think I think the Cavs did a really good job of finding their way in there. And that's how, you know, that's how those type of caliber teams compete. You build within the draft, you build within your rooms and you capitalize on trades like this. So I thought it was the Cavs did a really good job in that in that position where they were. Yeah, definitely. It's very funny that the Knicks come out looking like the loser <laughs> in all of this. Uh, but for the Cavs specifically, the Garland thing was so weird. It was I mean, not the Garland, the, the Sexton thing was so weird. Uh, I thought it was very interesting how. Garland definitely took his game to a whole nother level last year as the the primary primary initiator, the guy that ran the show. 
But there's like a category in their offense where they just needed more self-creation. I think Garland is a fast, a pass-first guy out of instinct. I think that's his best asset. I think he's going to benefit with Donovan Mitchell. But Sexton and Garland just didn't seem to be the ideal backcourt duo. There definitely seemed to be some sort of bad blood or just the Cavs not fully buying into what Sexton was selling. Because even this offseason, he was a restricted free agent. And there was always kind of the, the foregone conclusion that he'd be coming back to the Cavs, but never anything in writing. And I guess this is obviously what they're waiting for to see this materialize. But it just kind of odd how that played out so i think he's gonna put up some nice empty stats and uh definitely he'll have his chance to shine see how that shakes out but i really do like this from the Cavs. and uh one of the things we talked about with the knicks is my concern with like a mitchell and jalen brunson backcourt was how just defense what a defensive liability that is each of those guys are so small garland and mitchell i mean not that either one of those guys are particularly great defenders either garland i would consider better than mitchell uh, but the thing that I buy in about it is having Jared Allen and Evan Mobley behind him. The, like Mobley specifically is legitimately has a chance to be like a generational defender and the things that he can do on the perimeter, protecting the paint. He really is just gifted on that side of the ball. And uh, also like you're sacrificing the picks, but they have the core in place. Like Garland's yeah. 22, Evan Mobley's younger than that. They got guys that these, these guys taking their steps are what the developmental process is going to be like you don't necessarily need to add more than that it's now watching these guys grow together which i think is very cool i think i have the Cavs pretty locked in as a top six seed in the east this year which is uh i don't think you can really argue that with how 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 much they put this together and how legitimate i think that team's going to be yeah i agree with you uh their average age i, I saw it was um as of yesterday it was like 22.6 or something on that roster okay so young so like you don't even need to worry about those draft picks and i mean all said and done it's it's three full picks and then two pick swaps so like yeah you're losing a good amount um but you know you are where you are uh and you kind of put yourself in that position as it going into this offseason and you know sexton was rumored all over the place i i saw the mavericks at, you know was rumored pretty heavily throughout the offseason i also saw i think it was uh chicago or something it doesn't it really doesn't matter but um you know sexton was as good as gone and adding mitchell in this situation i do you know the the defensive issues that may come up with a garland mitchell backcourt just size wise uh there's always gonna be mismatches on the court but you know like you said having jared allen who's an all nba defender at his position and evan mobley who's you know ridiculous and, and what he's able to do um i do really like it the east is crazy man i was looking at a um a graphic of the, the top nine teams. And it was like, one of these teams is going to have to, you know, be knocked out. They're not going to make the playoffs, which is pretty crazy. Cause it, this is the best the East has been, I think probably in our entire lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look top to bottom, like we've, we've talked a bunch about the Celtics and Bucks, which are obviously real deal contenders. We got yeah. the Nets who are the major question mark, but the talent's clearly there. We've talked so much about the Sixers and everything that they got beyond that. I mean, the Cavs now have emerged. The Hornets are growing. Uh, the Raptors are clearly putting the piece together. The heat, like, all of these teams have like a lot of pros going for them and building in the right direction. I agree. This is the deepest that this side of the conference has been in a, a long, long time and in our whole lifetimes for sure. So it is going to be a tight race. It's it's concerning on how just stacked up the East is. And I don't know, it's going to be a, a bloodbath for, to see who gets out on top this year. And, uh, and real quick, one more thing on the Cavs, like one of the concerns also with the Knicks going all in on this is especially if they had to include Barrett and especially like everything else, they pretty much were emptying out the clip to get Donovan Mitchell. And that's kind of what they were rolling with, which why, why I don't, I think they were kind of in the right here is 
because like I don't think emptying the clip for Donovan Mitchell is the final piece. And I don't think he's that type of guy that takes you to that level. But looking at the Cavs in this situation, like they have a core behind him. Like we, we just talked about the starting line of a bunch, but they still got guys like Kevin Love still there, Ricky Rubio still there, uh Karis Levert still there. Guys, Robin Lopez, they signed with him this offseason. Guys that can rotate in, play quality minutes, and get, just kind of like do their job, fill in. So I do really like what they what they're building. And I I I'm a little scared about them moving forward, I will say. It's always like it's the Cavs, though. Um, so like, again, not like I think they've done a really good job with what they've had. And, and you know, Darius Garland is like one of my favorite young players in the game. Evan Mobley as well. Like, I think those two guys are incredible. Um, but like, you know, like when you say Donovan Mitchell, like Donovan Mitchell is what he is. And I, I again, maybe this is my bias. I don't like Donovan Mitchell as a basketball player all that much. But like, he's very good. But like is Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell like a number one that could be a number one score in a playoff situation? Like, are they really going to carry a team in that situation? Like, do you believe that you think Donovan Mitchell is that guy or no? I think together they are. I think their, okay. their weaknesses and strengths overlap in a way that I think is going to work very well. I think Garland specifically, when you watch Cavs game last year, there was a whole lot of like standing around and needing him to be that primary creator, which I don't think he really is. I think he's a pass first guy who He'll still has creation ability, can still hit some shots, a very good player still, but I don't think he's like a A1 killer. Donovan Mitchell, on the opposite hand, like the Jazz was very much standing around, watch Donovan Mitchell space the floor, and you either get an open three or let him shoot 10 for 29 was kind of his his role with them. Uh, I don't think he's a great passer. I think he had moments where he had a couple assists. Overall, his efficiency splits are significantly better than people give him credit for, especially in the postseason. Uh, he's an elite shot creator, which I think is what the Cavs are missing. I think adding that to the recipe of what Garland has, what the complementary pieces have, and that this is a team. So as much as I maybe don't completely buy into Donovan Mitchell as like a lead A guy, I think he checks the boxes for what the Cavs are missing. I think him and Garland in the backcourt together is like a legitimate, like a contending team backcourt. All right. Fair enough. I, I personally, I don't like Donovan Mitchell. So like the bias kind of bleeds in there. Um, and I'm interested to see just how it goes. Um, you know, it's always interesting seeing guys like that where Donovan Mitchell, like you said, he's a primary creator on his team uh, for him to be effective. He does have to take a lot of shots uh, yeah. and seeing him kind of blend in with a team like that. I think it fits well again, like Evan Mobley's not taking a ton of shots, Jared Allen, uh, you know, obviously not either. So it is Darius Garland and, you know, whoever, whoever they may play at small forward, because um, like Harrisburg's pretty, that would make them very small uh, mm-hmm. in the front court or in the back court. And then I, Akoro, whoever it may be, you know, they have to figure that out from there. What do you think about um, like the Jazz getting less for Mitchell than they did for Gobert? Yeah, interesting. Not It's a surprise to me. Uh, I think the Gobert trade is kind of just like a once in a lifetime kind of like oversell on that. Like I think it's, yeah. I think that's what messed up the Kevin Durant trade because like that was the bar that was set and everyone's like, well, no shot. Cause if, if that's what Rudy Gobert's <laughs> worth, then I'm not paying whatever Kevin Durant's price tag is. So I think that was just kind of like a, a once in a blue moon offer that blew them away. They had to take, I definitely, if you had pinned me down like prior to this off season, uh, like I would not have guessed that whatsoever. Uh, it very interesting. It very strange how it shakes out like that, but, who knows? Very crazy from the Jazz, too, to go from trading both their all-stars in an offseason, and they succeeded in having their kind of full rebuild. I still think there's going to be a ton of scraps that come out of it, and a lot of – there are some win-now veterans that will be there for the taking on the Jazz, so I expect them to continue wheeling and dealing. I don't know if that's anything the Sixers will stick their nose in. I kind of – I wrote an article that should be dropping pretty soon, uh, kind of looking at guys that make sense, and 
is hard from a financial aspect. A lot of them are going to need Tobias involved for it to really be possible, especially like Bohan Bogdanovich, who I think would be terrific. But just the hoops that it would take to get these guys makes it difficult. Jared Vanderbilt's an underrated guy that I think yeah. could be worth a, a flyer on and wouldn't take that much of a price. But uh, there is going to be a fire sale in Utah continuing for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen a lot of the uh, the Jordan Clarksons. I even saw somebody say that the Sixers should trade Tobias Harris for Bogdanovich and Conley. And I was like, yo, you know, I know Tobias has struggled here, man, but no chance. Um, I don't even want to say he struggled. Maybe he had just hasn't lived up to expectations, but like, no, come on, man. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. There's going to be some guys out there, some stragglers, um, you know, but like who really wants Mike Conley? Nobody. He's probably, I, I would bet that he would stay there that this upcoming season. I bet you Clarkson and, and Bogdanovich find a new home. I do really like Jared Vanderbilt, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned him because I think just like archetype-wise, who he is as a player um, fits a need with the Sixers. Obviously, they got a little bit better in that wing depth this offseason, uh, and they've done some due diligence in, in that area. But like Vanderbilt just adds another like lengthy athletic body uh, to running gun in, in a fast break and also just like you know, guard a few positions on the perimeter as well. So I've liked Jared Vanderbilt and I, you know, I would be in on him, but I don't really see the way for them to make anything happen for like Clarkson Bogdanovich. I saw a lot of people say Rudy Gay, like, uh, you know, I don't, whatever on Rudy Gay. I don't really care. You know, if he's here, he's here, but like, I'm never going to be like, Oh, the Sixers should go get Rudy Gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gay is probably one of the more gettable out of them just financially. Like yeah, Clarkson's around 13 mil cap hit that you got to find a way to match. And keep in mind, like, packaging uh Furkan who we're going to talk about a bunch in a minute and then oh, the yeah. that gets you to do about nine mil so like you're not in quite the same range same with Clarkson Clarkson's around that 13 mil uh Boyan's around 20 mil I think it's 19.3 I'm pretty sure it is what it is uh so like they're just not kind of numbers that match up right you're going to probably need to get a third team involved I wrote up a, a cool little trade that I would love for it to happen but I don't know how how the odds of it but a three-team trade with the Mavs and the Jazz which landed uh Reggie Bullock here and a couple of the the jazz pieces as well something like that but a lot of these you need to kind of get tobias's contract involved which i don't know if these are the type of players that more is going to be willing to to kind of include that just because of who knows i, I kind of would like to see this roster a little bit and that's kind of a, a final piece you're kind of trade asset going in so as much as it's a, a great idea in theory I, I don't see the numbers lining up the way i would hope but daryl more always one to surprise us so you never know yeah, definitely. And I think with with the like massive pause I got put on this offseason for like whatever it was a month, like we're finally seeing, you know, this Donovan Mitchell trade kind of I feel like rounds out the offseason like you had mentioned, like this is kind of the last thing that was expected to happen, maybe not necessarily to the Cavs, but a Donovan Mitchell trade in general. Like people kind of expected that before the upcoming season. We still have, like there's still a lot of time before the, the season, you're in a, like a month and a half out. Um and like, there's still that first like three or four weeks of the NBA season where things like this happen, where like lingering rumors or lingering things from the offseason play themselves out uh, in that first couple of months. Uh, so I think, you know, guys like Bogdanovich, maybe, you know, he starts the season in Utah. I think there's still a good chance that he's gone before February. Same thing with like uh, Clarkson, Vander. I, maybe maybe they'll keep Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, he's a, you know, a younger guy that could stick there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Jazz going full rebuild mode. It's kind of strange, um, you know, but I guess it was time for them. Um, and and the tanking for picks, man, the uh, the attitude on that has changed a lot since our time there, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I tweeted out the other day, uh, 
the 76ers made uh, rebuilding cool and it's changed the NBA forever. And I kind of stand by that. Like I get the, I get, it's always been a something like this isn't, this isn't a new concept. The Sixers didn't invent it by any means, but to kind of brand it and run with it the way that the Sixers have, that really has never been done before. And you see teams doing it all the time. Like look at the public perception of what the Thunder are doing. Look at the public perception of what the Jazz are doing. And I get like, there's extremes to this and the Sixers absolutely took it there. So I think that's really where the criticism lies is just how intentionally the Sixers were pushing those boundaries. But at the end of the day, like, Maybe they're they're doing it in more efficient fashion than the Sixers did, but it's the same concept. So I, I don't know. Uh, it, it is a double standard. It feels like. Yeah, and I mean these guys are shameless. It's very shameless what they're doing. Like, um, you know, Ainge was very clear in his in his ways of saying, "I don't want players. I want picks," uh, and that is you know quite the opposite of aggressive and uh, very intentional in the way he was going about this offseason. So like, you know the Sixers didn't get that same grace that these teams are getting, but you know, it's the past, I guess, let it wash down. Um, the Sixers are in, you know, a position to compete. So I guess to kind of round out the Cavaliers conversation in this offseason kind of conversation, like I know you said it puts the Cavs in the top six. Like, I don't even think you ended up mentioning Brooklyn going through all of that. And it seems like that team is going to be full and ready to go at uh, the start of the year, you know, after that crazy offseason. It's so like, you know, maybe the Cavs are in that top six, like, how do you see the Eastern Conference playing out? Obviously, way too early to predict anything, but you know, just in general, how do you see kind of you know almost a power ranking of those eight teams? Yeah, I still unfortunately have the Celtics in the top spot, uh, defending Eastern Conference champions, made it to the finals. I think the addition of Malcolm Brogdon uh, takes them to another level. Their w- biggest weakness was point guard, and that's what he's going to provide for them. So unfortunately, I have them number one. Uh, the Bucks I have number two. The injury to Chris Middleton, uh, I guess, talked about a lot, but I do think that was a difference maker in the playoffs last year. And if he's there, it's a whole different story. And Giannis is really just unstoppable. The things he he's doing, he looks terrific with Greece over uh, yeah. overseas right now. Uh, beyond that is where I think those two I have kind of cemented. If I'm putting like a tier, I have those two as my top two. Uh, in the mix, moving here is where I kind of have uh, Sixers, Nets, Cavs. I think those are probably my next three. I'm probably dropping the Sixers below. Uh, I'm going to go – I don't know. I'm keeping them at three. I'll go Sixers, Nets, Cavs in that order. But I still have a hard time buying into this Nets team just because I think it's it's so wow. bizarre. Uh, the Heat, I don't want to fully leave out because they find a way to surprise me every year. But I think the sixth seed is looking closer. I would not enjoy matching up with them in the first round of the playoffs if, if that's how things shake out. That's probably who I have at six, probably Raptors at seven and – I, it's tight, man. Like the, all these teams are the, like, I could see a lot of this shaking out differently too. So that's probably my preliminary top seven, but I could be swayed on a couple of these. Yeah. I think I agree with most of those as well. Um, I don't know, man. I, and the Raptors are good. Like you can throw the Raptors in there. Um, you're just looking at a whole bunch of teams that can compete. Like I think, you know, even a team like Detroit, like Detroit's not very good right now, but they have a really good young promising core. So like, you know, what if they make some noise? I think the Hornets got worse this offseason. Um, the Bridges you know, Boston, Yeah, the Bridges thing really put them in a, in a tough position. And then on top of that, they've just, like, done nothing. Um, and, you know, outside of LaMelo Ball, they haven't seen a lot of, like, growth from the other young guys in that team. So, you know, they're just in a weird spot. They have paid a lot of money to Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Um, and those guys are fine. They just don't do a lot for them. So, um, I don't know, man. It's going to be a weird season. Um, I think – there's going to be a team that team that falls off. Maybe that's Brooklyn. Maybe that's Miami. It's one of the two. I, I personally would love to see Miami in the first round. Um, I want to beat their ass, man. 
Yeah. They're not good. They got they got worse, don't you think? I mean, they, they keep talking about, like, Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler, all these guys are going, talking about how they have the same team. They're just running it back. It's like, dude, P.J. Tucker isn't a nobody that you guys lost. Like, he was very important to what you guys did in the postseason, and I think that's being brushed under the rug a, a decent bit of, like, just how much he played a role in their postseason last year. I, I've said it before, but I think, uh, if not the second, definitely in the top three most impactful players for what he did. Jimmy Butler was obviously on another level, uh, st- the guy that carried that team for the most part, but – I think Tucker has become undervalued for how valuable he was to that team. Don't forget that they brought back uh, Udonis Haslam. That's huge. Oh, yeah. News of the offseason. That's the the biggest joke in the NBA. Yeah, I'm so over the the Udonis Haslam thing. It's like, like, dude, just just coach. Just, like, be their coach. I don't know if it's the pay. I'm sure he gets more on a minimum as a veteran to sit on the bench like that. But it's like, dude, you've played less minutes. Like, I, I love – shout out Trail Bro, dude, for all the tweets, like, comparing the guys that have played more minutes. Like, it's like Vince Carter's played more minutes in the NBA since uh, when I, I forget all the deadlines. Yeah. Check those out. But just, like, so crazy that this guy is soaking up a roster spot. And, like, the the last time I can genuinely remember him getting on the court was fighting with Dwight Howard against the Sixers yep. two years ago. Like, he just doesn't really play. And it's uh, very crazy that he makes it, like, a big deal. Like, the Heat, like, sent people to his house to present him the offer and stuff. It's like – what are we doing here? It's Udonis has. I mean, like, whatever. And that, in that game that he fought with Dwight Howard, that he played in that season, entire season, 2019-20, or was that 2020-2021? Yeah, yeah, that was two years so ago. So in that season, Udonis hasn't played three minutes. Three minutes in the full season in one game. That was the game. He was in the – he entered one singular game during that entire season. It was that game against the Sixers. He got ejected three minutes later. So that tells you enough about what Udonis Haslam does uh, for them, and they made it a whole ordeal. Uh, so whatever. I don't – I don't. I laughed at the Heat this offseason. Like, P.J. Tucker is – you know, maybe he's not the centerpiece to a team, but he's pretty damn important. Um, and, you know, I don't even know what Miami is doing. If the Sixers did nothing like they did nothing this year, uh, I'd be pretty disappointed. So I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but we can kind of shift gears here. I know you mentioned uh, Greece and what Giannis has been doing uh, in FIBA with Greece. Have we seen what Furkan Korkmaz has been up to uh, in Turkey playing in FIBA? He got into a little scuffle uh, this weekend. There was some a lot of aftermath and things that uh, – some pretty surprising things coming from the FIBA and what Turkey's saying what happened uh, with Furkan. So can you give us a little update on what happened with uh, – what's been going on in the world of Furkan Korkmaz this weekend? Yeah, very crazy stuff. Uh, so we've talked all offseason about, like, the Sixers needing a dog and looking for that guy on the toughness. <laughs> and who would have thought that Furkan Korkmaz has had it in him all along? So uh, it started with a, a hard foul of him driving to the basket, uh, getting smacked, going down pretty hard, getting up, getting in the guy's face, led to a little altercation, him spitting at him, going back and forth. And then he got tossed. And then on the way to the locker room, uh, Furk was jumped by three uh, Georgian players. So the names did get uh, – become public which is gogo patazi who plays for the pacers uh tanika shenglin and duda sendazi are the three guys that seem to have uh had an interaction with uh Ferk in the locker room post game apparently the police were also involved and in, in a way that uh Ferk did not speak highly of let me get his his full quote here and then i have another quote that just is, is awesome from him it's so great <laughs> so this is Ferk's retelling of it he said quote when I was uh when I was walking to the tunnel, our conditioning guy was with me. As soon as we walked out of the tunnel and were trying to reach the locker room, I saw three Georgian players alongside two security guards running at us. 
We started throwing punches at each other. That's basically what happened. It was like a street fight. There was no talk or conversation. People just came at us and were trying to attack us. Of course, we reacted and tried to defend ourselves. Exactly what are we going to do as men? I don't. I also think it's a security problem, but I don't know if it's a security problem or if they just have showed tolerance to their players. We understand that they're at home, but this is unacceptable. What happens on the court is fine, but we should talk more about what happens off the court. So definitely a whole lot of uproar. Turkey wants to see all the cameras and said that they would pull themselves from the tournament if that doesn't occur, the step-by-step, frame-by-frame of what happened back there. But absolute wild scenes. Yeah, dude, what is going on? Um, and this is like national news, too. So like for, I'm sure, you know, for people outside the area, Furcon is not a household name uh, by any means. And this turns up and this is insanity. Uh, I feel bad for the guy. Um, you know, that's a terrible thing to have happen, especially, you know, playing for your country, trying to do what's right. Uh, obviously, he got a little upset at what happened on the court, which, again, I love. I don't know if you saw uh, Mike Scott and his, like, quote yeah. tweet of it. He, it was a very, very proud moment for Mike Scott, uh, it seems, on Twitter. So, Furkan does come from the school of Mike Scott, and, uh, you know, we love to see that energy from him. I've seen a lot of people kind of comment on he's been in Philly for too long. He doesn't put up with this stuff anymore, which I love. Uh, so I'm hoping to see maybe a little bit more of that coming into this offseason. But, man, what a what a disaster over there to allow uh, three players to jump Furkan and his conditioning trainer uh, in the alleyways of the Georgian basketball arena. Like, that's that's insanity. So, uh, obviously, I, I want the footage to come out. I'd like to see some some video of a Furkan street fight, uh, see what he's got in the bag there. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. he's better served uh, to, to fight for his country in the ring. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I hope everything works out for him. And, you know, the Pacers play in Philadelphia on October 24th. So I, I'd like uh, Gogo Batadze to be welcomed pretty poorly when he gets here. Oh, yeah. I think we can count on that for sure. Yeah. And, uh, shout out Sergen Kumas for uh, tweeting a whole bunch of this. Yeah. All, of all the turkey stuff, all the Sixers stuff and Furkan Korkmaz stuff. So a ton of great updates there. He also did a report that Furkan was at shoot around this morning. So seems yeah. to be fine condition uh, no serious injuries and also this last quote from Furkan which uh, I just absolutely <laughs> love uh, from Furkan Korkmaz quote I am not anybody to talk shit on my face I'm not going to let that happen so just great stuff you gotta love it unbelievable man what a quote <laughs> you should get that tattooed or something man that's they better like they the Sixers better like print that out and put that up on the wall it's like that's got to be their energy all year that's hilarious man what a it's just coming from him. It just is so hilarious. And uh, I saw some other guys were uh, Niang tweeted yeah. at him today. Did Tucker, did Tucker, PJ Tucker say something too? I didn't see Tucker. Somebody so, tweeted something like, you need backup over there. That was something. Niang. Niang and then there was someone else uh, was saying some stuff too. So it was nice to see some of the Sixers uh, come to Furcon's aid as well. Definitely, yeah. In kind of the mix of this, as this was all coming out, he just tweeted out a couple of the the Turkish flag emojis, which yeah. awesome, great move. And that that's what I saw Niang quote tweet and just said like you need help over there. So good to that's see everybody so getting involved. Glad that Ferk's okay, but definitely a, a crazy storyline. And I think there'll be more coming out on it for sure. Yeah, definitely, it'll be something to keep an eye out for mm-hmm. in the uh, you know coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. I don't even know. Like, do you know what's going on over there? Like, I've seen a lot of the highlights um, from these tournaments. Is it just like it's the FIBA international play. Okay. Uh, I don't officially know. I know that. Yeah. I've watched here and there a couple games, which have been fun. Maybe yeah. Kind of the biggest star. I saw Luca play a little bit. Uh, saw Giannis. They look, it's spectacular to watch these guys on this kind of stage. It was definitely interesting with Giannis too, because it's not really like a, a mix of, it's not his style of play. Like I would say the NBA fits him significantly more, but he still is 
so special that he finds a way to make his impact. So it is cool to see these guys playing in a different setting. Absolutely. Like, and to see them go head to head too, like you saw the Jokic and Giannis uh, yeah. playing against each other. And, you know, Luca is just incredible on so many levels. And it's crazy to see them play. Cause obviously, you know, they're on a different level than, than most of these guys. And, uh, you know, some of those, some of the European guys can definitely hang and play. Uh, but like Luca's just different and, and Giannis is just different and Jokic is just different. And, you know, even like Furkan and Chetty Osmond are out there like dominating. So it's pretty cool to see. Um, and like, I'm happy that those guys are getting the chance to play again. And like, it just is proving how international this game is and how the basketball has become so like worldwide, uh, just dominant. You're seeing like three of the top five players in the league playing, uh, you know, for their respective country. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Last thing we kind of wanted to touch on here, I figured uh, we'll kind of probably be being on the same side here, but just some continued whispers about like backup center with the Sixers and guys that are out there, DeMarcus Cousins and Hassan Whiteside have gotten the most buzz. Both very good options as far as what are, is available at this stage in free agency. Uh, Sixers obviously already have 16 roster plays for 15 roster spots, which uh, needs to be fixed ahead of the start of the regular season. But would you have any interest in them bringing in another guy to play backup center or roll with the b-ball paul and charles bassey show as of now so i think i think it's gonna have to um like follow two steps um like i i think it's worth it to bring somebody on if the role is clear and like if it's cousins or whitesider who you know whoever it may be like if they understand what their role is going to be coming in and are okay with playing that role um and if that role is like playing basically the third option in you know at the center minutes. Cause, because, you know, eventually there's going to be nights where, you know, you need another guy to play and uh, you know, do you need four centers on a roster? Probably not if you're counting Reed as a center. So coming into the season, I, you know, I'd prefer Reed and Bassey to be the options coming in, but if a guy like cousins, you know, wants to play for a competitive team, wants to play for a team that, you know, could contend for a championship and on every so often he can come out and play like DeMarcus cousins played well last year. Yeah, uh, he still has some in the tank. And I think that, you know, another veteran, uh, you know, another guy that's in the category of like having the dog in him and, you know, not putting up with any shit. Like I think DeMarcus Cousins fits the bill there. So if it was one or the other, I'm definitely going Cousins, but I don't think it's a necessary thing to happen right now. But like, again, I don't think, you know, if you're a team like the Sixers coming into the season, you want to win. Um, you you want to use every roster spot for a player that could help you win. Right. So like, yeah. you know, as much as you like some of these guys down towards the end of the, the roster, down towards the end of that list, like, I might prefer DeMarcus Cousins to some of those guys. I think it just depends on the situation they're in. Yeah, yeah. Boogie definitely intrigues me the most out of probably any backup center we have. Like, even yeah. like we were excited about the Dwight Howard signing. We were excited about the Andre Drummond signing. But neither one of those guys would have been playable playoff players. Like, even with the Nets and the, right. the four games that they did have, like, Andre Drummond was bad in the postseason. And I, I yeah. know everybody was rooting for a reunion. I was very against that because of that, because I don't think he's a postseason player. That's been like my pro to B-Ball Paul is I think he is a, a guy that can play in the playoffs. I think he's versatile enough in his game. The stuff that he does does apply to that that postseason setting. I don't know how I feel about – Whiteside I don't think is, which to no. me is stay away. He's a guy that still is very uh, a fairly elite shot blocker, terrific rebounder. I believe he was third in the NBA in rebounds per 36 last year, uh, which is impressive. And he actually was very good as a, a backup to Gobert with the Jazz. Uh, and DeMarcus Cousins, like you said, he was also very good last year. And he also impressed me as a passer. He kind of ran yeah. like the Jokic role with that second unit, which is a tough ask for a backup center. And I thought Boogie did very well at it. I think that's going to be a noticeable uh, knockoff from the Nuggets last year, going from DeMarcus Cousins 
to DeAndre Jordan is is quite the gap. I think significantly more than what they're uh, accounting for. And still crazy that DeAndre Jordan went off the free agency board like 30 seconds in this year. I, I will never get over that. But as far as like the Sixers, I'm kind of of the mindset with like the pros to the pros to adding these guys is just as like an innings eater pitcher. Like we know that like, yeah, he's not gonna like be suiting up night in night out just because he needs load manage. He's got his injury issues, everything that comes along with it. So if you want a guy to step in and start, like I get the appeal of that, but I also just, I want to see exactly what B-Ball Paul and Charles Bassey are. And like, if you sign one of these guys, Doc Rivers is absolutely going to play him. We're never going to know. So I kind of think like you go into the season with Bassey and Reed, if that like, they're not good enough and there needs to be another option. You can kind of always find like a backup center or a guy on the market like a DeAndre Jordan, like like one of these kind of falling off guys. So yeah. I personally would rather just keep the roster as it is, find a way to get Trevlin Queen on this roster, please, and uh, keep not 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 uh, soak up another roster spot for another center. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm of that same mindset as well. Um, but you know, if there is like the necessity, like you know, Doc Rivers has to have the guy um, to play that old man role uh, in the backup center, and if the role is clear of like, hey when the time comes and we need you like be ready, but uh, just understanding that time may not come as often as before. Uh, I think that's like a fair situation to be in. And if either of these guys find themselves in a position coming into the season where they don't have a job, like sometimes that role is better than, uh, you know, it's definitely always better than to have that role than no job at all. So I think that's, you know, it's a fine spot to be in and, I, you know, I saw my side would be fine. Like it really just depends on what their preference is. But like you said, like, seeing Bassey be working with Harden and, you know, LA and what they've been doing and seeing Bassey working out every day. And then obviously like the hype that you and I have, and, and a lot of the Sixers fan base has around uh, Paul Reed coming into this year. Like, I don't see why you wouldn't at least give them the chance to prove themselves, uh, make it or break it. You know, like if I, I think for Reed, it definitely is uh, for Bassey, he's still pretty young, but like the chopping block is there. I think both of those guys have a chance to to either win or lose the spot. Um, and if they can both play well, like, there you go, you have two backup centers that can play and uh, two guys that are athletic enough to hang. So I really want to see what they come into this year with. And, you know, I think you and I are of the same thinking there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would suck to go through another year and not really know, like, what these guys are, or what they can be. Like, let's just see it. Let's roll it out. Let's see if yeah. we can handle it. And, like, if it, if that's not the case, if if neither one of these guys are good enough, which which I don't think is the case. I think Paul Reed, like, the concerns with Paul Reed, I think, are just so fixable. It's all stuff that, like, with more minutes, he's going to get the the cutting down on fouls, the just overall kind of frantic all over the place kind of state that he's in a lot. Like, I think that kind of stuff's going to settle down, which is the more he does it, the more repetition, the more play. So, like, he's not going to get that by bringing in a DeMarcus Cousins or Hassan Whiteside. So, I would rather at least start the season. Let's see what we got with these guys and, and roll from there. But uh, I don't know. I, I also was like, I've been all in on like the consolidation trade for with Furkan and Matisse for another role player. Yeah. I don't know if we can trade Furkan anymore, man. Yeah, I think we got to keep him. Yeah. <laughs> I think they got to keep him just for vibes, man. You know, yeah. I think continuity is is important. Um, and, and for him, what he brings, he's just a goober, uh, and it, it seems like a like a, a team favorite guy, like a guy that everyone loves to have around. He's in you know Embiid's longest tenured teammate, so. You know, why not keep him around? Let him see, you know, maybe he'll figure it out. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll add a little bit this year. And I think his role got screwed up a handful of times last year. I, you know, I'm not saying I believe in Furkan uh, in a way that like he's going to be a major impact player at all. But like if he could be just like better than he was last year, like he'll get he'll sprinkle in some regular season minutes. So, you yeah. know.
And he's Matisse's friend, so if you're keeping Matisse, you got to keep him too. Yeah, I'm I'm more willing to trade Matisse than Furkan at this point, <laughs> especially following this weekend. Uh, we got the scrap in him now, and and the yeah. skill set that he has, like we say this all the time, but the skill set that he has is super necessary on this team. He just has to be able yeah. to do it at a higher level. So who knows? Which maybe he's he proven he can do. He he yeah. has proven Fine. before. Yeah. But, yeah, who knows? Uh, at, at the end of the day, we'll see if anything's more to shake out. I'm pretty content with kind of how the roster's at. I still would be open to that sort of trade. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I was going to say, yeah, I, th- I think this roster, I, like, I, I don't expect anything to change. Uh, that Mitchell and, you know, the the, tra- the way that trade played out, like, I think this that kind of locked up the Sixers offseason. And I'm totally cool with that. So, we're just, uh, I, you know, man, I'm, I'm super excited. Like, I, I keep saying it. And I was just talking with my roommates about it as well. Like, I can't wait for Sixers basketball. Um, but, you know, we're still a little bit away. So I'm trying to, you know, stay tame here. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think that's all we got from me and James here today. So I uh, appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Make sure to drop a subscribe on the channel if you have not already. Uh, drop a like and a comment. Let, you know what a, what, let us know what you guys think as well. Uh, but stay tuned. There's going to be a whole bunch more coming with NFL content from Ryan this week and a uh, uh, baseball guy, uh, everybody else on the channel that you guys know. So. <laughs> Make sure to tune in and uh, we will get back with you next time.